0: Welcome to Coffee and a True Crime Dumpster Fire. This is a true crime podcast. That's right, a true crime podcast. For those in the back, I'll say it a little bit louder. This is a true crime podcast. This show is a show for grown folks. That little E over there next to my podcast. That means that we use some foul language every once in a while. Just every once in a while. Enough to flag it, you know. So, we talk about really generally vile, disgusting, and horrific things dismemberment, disembowelment, death in general. Lots of really horrible, terrible things. But we also, like I said, we cover the three key things that everybody in life enjoys coffee, true crime, and of course, dumpster fires. So, settle in. Come get warm by the dumpster fire. Make sure don't touch it though. Don't want you to get burned. Don't want to get sued. Just saying. But again, all kidding aside, you have been warned. Turn back now if you don't like that kind of thing. And by the way, I like my coffee black and my tea in the harbor. If you don't get that reference, you need to go ahead and turn back now. Otherwise, Settle in and enjoy this week's episode of Coffee and a True Crime Dumpster Fire. Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 10 of Coffee and a True Crime Dumpster Fire. Uh, I'm going to title this one, this is episode 10, we'll call it The Story of Ken McElroy or Karma Really is a bitch. Uh, the coffee of the week this week. Is kind of an odd one. It's uh, it's actually the. Guinness Nitro. Cold brew coffee. It's technically a beer. Yes. I'm that guy. I drink Guinness. Sorry. Uh, but it's like a. It's. Brewed with a. It has a cold brew coffee to it too, and it's actually really good, it has more of a, it's got an, it's only got an ABV of 4%, which isn't bad, Uh, more than most beers, I think, but uh, I'm not a huge beer drinker in general, so I don't know, but this one was really, like I said, this fit in the coffee category for me. I mean, it really was... It was a a really good, strong black coffee with a bite is the only way, really, that I can put that. Anyway, so like I said before, this is episode number 10. That's right. I actually got to double digits, folks. Holy cow. And we've had a few hiccups, of course, didn't come out on time. Didn't come out at all. Had the coof. Whatever else. But I got I got double digits now. woo Write that down somewhere. I didn't completely fail this one yet. Give it time. I'm sure. So, we're going to go for this story. We're going to go to the town of Skidmore, Missouri. Which is uh, it's a population of that sort of hovers right around 250 people, and it is the epitome. It is tr- it truly is an utter shithole. There's no <laughs> no other way to describe this place. This is the place you don't stop when you're you, you don't stop for anything. This is that place where you're driving through and your FM radio starts to get all sketchy and making all that weird noise and stuff and then then randomly through the static you hear the preacher man just going on and on about fire and brimstone and all this kind of thing and kids start walking out from, anyway, just kidding well, at least about the kids part, but the rest of it's true I mean, it is a, it's awful, um, and listen, we could, or or I say we, I mean, I'm a one man dumpster fire. I do it all, but so I could, anyone could do a whole series just on Skidmore crimes. Then I mean, they date all the way back to 1880. Now, from a numbers standpoint, uh, Skidmore, Missouri has a relatively low crime rate. But remember, there's only 250 people there, so the numbers can be a little bit deceiving. And the crimes that happen there are just absolutely horrific and pretty gruesome. Uh, this, the one that I'm particularly going to talk about tonight is, is no, no exception – by the way, again, we could do a whole series on these. But so I want to shout out the um, Cigar Store Idiots podcast. They kind of turned me on to the whole uh, Skidmore thing. Um, I'll, I'll probably end up doing a couple of more crimes from Skidmore. Uh, but they di- they did do exactly that. They're doing a whole series just on Skidmore uh which I'm currently in the middle of I have the la- or well the next episode I I don't know if it's the last episode I think they're only doing 3 uh but uh I I'm I have the the last episode in my playlist it just dropped uh so again shout out to those guys uh, for an amazing podcast by the way they're they're hilarious uh, they'll have you in tears. But anyway, so I'm going to do, though, I'm, I'm doing one specific guy, Ken McElroy, or the story of Ken McElroy. So every town like this, the small towns that have, you know, four or five hundred people, or, you know, what, less than for, you know, that's really small, tiny, not even necessarily a dot on the map kind of a town... They all have that one asshole, you know, the guy that that the that either if if there's enough people, they maybe have a town police department of like you know five or six cops, or they have you know the sheriff's office even is responsible for that town because it's so small. They they immediately when something goes wrong. Or there's some sort of a crime the first person. This is the first person they always look to because they look to that one guy, right? Well, Ken McElroy, he was that asshole. (laughs) Um, So he was born June 1st, uh, 1934, uh, the 15th of 16 kids. 1930, 16 kids. Obviously, they didn't have cable back then. Holy cow. I I wonder if they even had condoms. My God, 16 kids. Did they not figure out what causes that? Uh, just saying, you know, or, or, you know, was there some, I don't know. Anyway, that was a common thing back then. I, I know, but good night. Uh, I have three and they wear me out. I don't know. 16. Yeah. I can barely afford the one. Anyway, I'll stop so and they were they were a poor of course they i mean, how how can you not be poor with sixteen kids uh, keeping keeping clothes and whatever else you know keeping sixteen kids clothed and fed and alive uh how can you not end up being poor really uh anyway, so they're a farming family and Initially, they kind of moved around between, back and forth, kind of between Kansas and then the Ozarks in Missouri. The Ozarks, of course. Ultimately, they settled in Skidmore. Uh, So, our our friend Ken, he, I wouldn't even call him my friend, or our friend. This dude, Ken, decides that he's going to drop out of school at the age of 15 in the 8th grade. I'll repeat that for those of you in the back, in case you missed this, 15 in the 8th grade. I'll let you listen. I'll let you let that sink in for a moment. Take a, take a moment and let that sort of soak into your brain. Yeah, that's exactly right. So he dropped out in the 8th grade. To, he decided that he was going to go live a life of, well, it can only be described as a life of assholery. By the way, that is a word. That is truly a word. I didn't think it was. I thought I made it up, but I'm not that clever apparently because uh, the uh, dictionary in whatever, whatever dictionary it is that Microsoft Word uses didn't correct it. It is a legit word. Look it up, in case you don't already know what it would mean. So, um, he, by all accounts, although he was never convicted because he had had this attorney, Richard McFadden, who allegedly had mob ties, and he did a lot of witness intimidation. He just generally left a trail of—and he never left Skidmore, really. He never got out of Skidmore, which I don't understand but he left a trail of assholery all through skidmore there's no doubt there's there's no disputing that he was definitely at the very least a womanizer uh some might say a thief an alcoholic there's all kinds of words for him but they all come back to that again you know he's just that guy But he was definitely without a doubt a womanizer and because it's evidenced by the fact that he fathered 10 kids with almost as many women. 10 kids. 10. Again, oh my god. I can't keep up with 3. So this guy managed to dodge 21 felony cases for everything – I mean – Again, this dude ran the gamut. Theft, battery, arson, the works. If there was a crime, this dude committed it. If there was was a law on the books, this dude broke it. So, here's some examples that we'll go through. He met his current and final wife. Spoiler alert. This dude gets waxed. Like I said karma is like i said this is that's that's going to be the, i think that'll be the title of the podcast this week or this when i drop this episode karma really is a bitch anyway so he met his final wife the uh, Trina in right around 1970 she was the ripe old age of 12 in the 8th grade so he he raped the. I mean, f- there's no way around it, either statutorily or otherwise. He raped this girl repeatedly. He just decided that that's what he wanted. I mean, th- that's that's what kind of a douchebag that this guy really was. He spotted her and said, uh, "You know what? I want a piece of that." And who wants a piece? What kind of what kind of scumbag wants a piece of a twelve-year-old? Anyway, I mean how can you even I mean, maybe it comes from the fact that I have daughters I couldn't stump ooh. anyway um in order to dodge prosecution on that case for because the, they they of course they charged him with the with the statutory rape, so to dodge that case, he divorced his second wife a woman named Alice, but then he convinced through, I say air quotes, convinced, through threats, intimidation, and ultimately killing the family dog and burning the house to the ground, he convinced her parents to agree to allow the two of them to wed. He didn't really have a job to speak of, again, you know, just general assholery. I like that word, by the way, in case you didn't notice. Um, he didn't really have a job to speak of other than, you know, odd jobs around the farms and that kind of thing. He was kind of a handyman more or less from what I was able to sort of gather. Didn't have a—I mean, again, didn't really have a trade. He was dropped out of school at the age of 15 in the 8th grade. Again, let that sink in for a minute. So, because of that, Trina, the—his wife— and Ken, they lived with Alice. Again, what what does that say about maybe Alice and maybe the, I don't know. It, it's crazy. So at the age of 14, uh, this, Ken finally managed to impregnate this poor girl. So she dropped out of school. Uh, She gave birth to the child, and then she attempted to flee and and leave, you know, get out of, uh, get away from this guy. And they, so Trina, Alice, and the baby all fled to Trina's mother and stepfather's house. So once again, our local douchebag, whatever, whatever you want to call him, I don't even know. Once again, he shoots the family dog and burns the house to the ground. <laughs> I mean, wh- wh- as if I, I just wow. Again, he's got a lawyer who is allegedly got mob ties and, and is a, a mob connected lawyer that maybe and and he intimidates people pretty effectively actually. So, um McElroy was actually indicted in june of nineteen seventy three uh for and this is related to that whole that whole debacle i guess you could call it the whole you know shooting the dog and burning the house to the ground for the second time uh anyway so he he was indicted in june of seventy three for that he was arrested, arraigned, and released on $2,500 bail. Now keep in mind, again, this dude, this is the, I, I it's just baffling to me. This dude was charged with arson, assault, and statutory rape, and within a period of, like, 24 hours, he's able to, he's given, he's allowed to be released on $2,500 bail. What is wrong with that picture? Just a thought. Anyway, uh, Trina and the baby were then placed in foster care in Maryville, Missouri. But being that old Ken didn't have a job to speak of, had plenty of time to track these, to track down his, uh, to track down his amore, whatever, his love, and her daughter. Uh, he was able to track him down, so he would spend literally hours outside the front of this house where Trina and the baby were, just staring at the house. Eventually, he offered a trade at one point, girl for girl, because he knew the day-to-day habits of the foster family's biological daughter. He knew the school bus that she took, the route of the school bus, the school she went to, etc., etc. So he caught some additional charges on that one. So he's really drawing these... um, He's he's really trying to draw these ca- this case out as best he can, in order to you know, uh, in order to perhaps maybe the the all the witnesses will die off, or something. You know, he's hoping to get something. So he's out on bond for this, and then a farmer named Romaine Henry. Claims that he confronted McElroy on about coming onto his property and shooting guns. Well, in turn, McElroy shot uh, shot Henry twice in the neck. Or I'm I'm sorry, wrong person. Spoiler alert: somebody else gets shot because this dude is like beyond. Ridiculous. Anyway, so he shoots, McElroy shoots, um, the farmer Henry twice with a shotgun. And Henry's a crotchety old bastard, and he's a farmer, so of course he, of course he dies. He doesn't die. Um, and with this particular case. McElroy was able to drag the case out long enough to find two raccoon hunters, buddies apparently, to testify that he was with them when the shooting took place. Do you smell that? Yeah, I smell some oceanfront property in Arizona that I can sell you real cheap if you believe that bullshit. But they got to do what they got to do so that, you know, Nothing comes of that one. So this, though, so this leads us up to the very last crime that sort of really set things in motion to uh, to put old Ken in a forever box. So for those of you that don't know what a forever box is, that's a coffin. Uh, anyway, so we're going to put old Ken in a for- in a forever box, and this happened in 1980. So one of, the, one of the multiple spawn of McElroy, they get into an argument with a clerk at the local grocery store over the alleged theft of some candy. Now, it sounds like it was really more of a the kid put some, some of the old penny candy, whatever, in their pocket, and the clerk said, hey, don't do that. And uh, that didn't go over too well. So the store this store was owned by seven, 70 year old Ernest Bo Bowen Camp. Now, if you're seventy years old and you have a name like Bo, you're probably a pretty hard dude. Just saying. And and you're in a town like Skidmore, Missouri, you are probably a pretty bad dude. Not not bad and like like ooh, he's evil, whatever, just a pretty rough and, and pretty hard guy. Um so this whole disres- this alleged disrespect of, of uh his offspring set McElroy on a on a tear and uh he started to stalk Bo and his wife Lois and eventually McElroy showed up at the loading dock of the grocery store, shotgun in hand, to confront Bo about his disrespect. Of course there's an argument. And they struggle over the shotgun. And again, and Bo Bo got shot in the neck, but he survived. This time, McElroy was actually convicted of attempted murder. His attorney couldn't get, get couldn't dig him out of this hole. Except, and it, I mean, convicted of convicted of attempted murder. End of story. We're done. Thanks for tuning in. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. No, no, no. Nope, not quite. This they this dude's lawyer, McElroy's lawyer. If he's still around, and God forbid I ever get charged with something, this is the lawyer I want. Holy cow! I mean, really, they got him released on bail, pending an appeal, not not pending trial. He's been convicted, and they get him released on bail on, for an appeal. That doesn't happen. It's not supposed to happen, but it did. And of course, the first place he goes after he's released on bail pending the appeal, he heads right to the old water, to the local watering hole, the D and G Tavern. He's got an M1 Grand rifle in hand, bayonet and all. So he goes in there and he's spewing nonsense and hate, which is what he do what he does normally, so most people just didn't pay too much attention. And he went on and on about what he was gonna do to old Bo with that bayonet of his. Well, the townspeople now are getting are getting a little bit fed up. They're they've had their fill. They're like, Okay, we're getting to where we're done. We don't we don't want dead people. <laughs> we don't have enough of a population that is as it is. We don't need old Ken knocking off more of our population, like in, in numbers, right? So they go to the sheriff of Notaway County, which is uh, where Skidmore, Missouri is. Nottoway, N-O-D-A-W-A-Y. Like nod your head. Anyway. Uh, the sheriff, Dan Estes. They want to know what can they do about McElroy running around on the warpath. Well, Sheriff Estes suggests, well, why don't y'all start a neighborhood watch. Really what he was secretly suggesting is, "Why don't y'all start up a why don't you why don't you find you a hanging posse?" Um, you know, from back in anyway. So, uh, on July 10th, 1981, the people of Skidmore had their first they start they they start their neighborhood watch and they they get a meeting going at at the local Legion Hall right there in the middle of town. Of course, in attendance at this meeting is Sheriff Estes. Estes, Estes, something. I think it's Estes. It's spelled like the rocket company for those who know. If you know, you know. Uh, During this meeting, they discussed the fact that you know here is McElroy still out on appeal uh pending the appeal and the and the hearing presumably through legal tactics of this uh shyster lawyer not shy well anyway all lawyers are anyway uh the 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 hearing was delayed yet again i mean this dude might as well i mean they're just hoping i guess. Since it's a conviction, maybe they're hoping that uh they'll what that, that McElroy will die a free man before you know, before the appeals are finished and then it doesn't matter. Uh, I don't know. So anyway, uh while the while the while the neighborhood watch new while the newly formed neighborhood watch is meeting in the Uh, Legion Hall, McElroy took this time, and of course he's bellied up to the bar at the old D&G Tavern, starts his usual drinking. So while they're having this meeting in the Legion Hall, Sheriff Festus said, told the group, do not get into a direct confrontation with Ken. Don't do it. He tells them that, now remember, this is he... Yes, Skidmore is a small town, but it's one among many, I'm sure, in the in Nottaway County. Now, Nottaway is eight hundred and seventy-eight square miles. I had by the way, there was a three or four minute silence break that you guys missed thanks to modern technology. Woohoo. Go me. Anyway, I looked it up and Nottaway County is eight hundred and seventy eight square miles. To give you an idea, the state of Rhode Island is only 1,200 square miles. So, go figure, right? I mean, that's that's not huge, but it's not tiny either. That's a lot of ground to cover. So, Nottaway County has 23,000 people in it. And, Old Sheriff Festus, and, and only 250 of them... Are in Skidmore. So do the math on that one. That dude has a lot of ground to cover. And not that many deputies. They're just not. Yeah. So. This dude again. So Sheriff Festus. Tells them don't get into confrontation with this guy. And then proceeds to leave town. He drives his cruiser right on out of town, thus leaving zero law enforcement in town, anywhere near town, really, because I'm sure that Sheriff Estes is not a stupid man. He didn't get elected sheriff because he was an idiot, right? So he was getting out of Dodge. He saw some bad shit down coming down the pike, and he didn't want anything to do with it. So, as soon as he leaves town, just like a bunch of little kids, they possed up and did exactly what Sheriff Festus told them not to do. They, This group gathered up, and they filed en masse to the tavern, to the D&G tavern. Where they sort of made it sort of uncomfortable, you know, for old Ken to sit, you know, to sit around and enjoy his whatever drink of choice he had sitting there at the bar. So he actually did one smart thing in his life, and he realized, man, I'm thoroughly outnumbered inside of here. But he was still pretty pretty sure of himself. He was pretty cocksure. So he said, uh, he finished his drink and he bought a six pack and walked out to the truck with it, i i I'm assuming that Trina was with him in the bar because everything i i mean Trina was in the truck with him. We'll get to that, so they get in the truck outside right out in front of the d and g tavern, and again, damn near half the town is you know damn near a hundred people are right there right by the tavern and uh and, and they get in, him and him and uh, him and Trina get in the truck, and then all of a sudden, bang, bang! Shots ring out. Right, and that was really lame. Bang, bang! Sorry, but a bunch of shots ring out. Ken goes down. He's down for the count. Oh yes, he is. He was hit twice in the head. Once by a twenty-two. And once with a center fire rifle I can't find anywhere that it has the exact caliber but it was a center fire rifle uh, so it's a higher powered rifle he probably that that rifle was probably fired from somewhere down the street the 22 was probably just intended to break the window just a thought anyway and and Trina didn't get hit there were like I said, there were dozens of witnesses from that day. And surprise, 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 surprise. Nobody saw anything. Hell, it took them a half an hour just to call an ambulance. Um at least I and maybe they didn't even call an ambulance from what I don't I don't even know. It doesn't talk about that anywhere that I can find. I've I've heard like I said two two different either either they didn't even call an ambulance at all or it took them a half hour. It's hard I again sort of conflicting information there, but nonetheless nobody was. It's it's safe to say no one was in a hurry to get this guy med- to get this guy medical attention. Um, the only person that was even looked at really was a guy named Del Clement. And this this is the guy that Trina claims is the one who shot her husband, or was one of the shooters. Could never prove it. In fact, the DA uh, declined to press any charges because, again, you don't have any witnesses, really. Trina didn't couldn't have seen anything. So, because it was the back window, blah blah blah. Anyway. So of course now Ken is officially in a forever box. So Trina files in July of 1984. Trina goes on and fi- see again this was where karma kicked in. Nobody saw anything. How how much of a how how big of a douchebag do you have to be to get to get capped? In front of nearly a hundred people and nobody saw anything. I mean, literally a hundred people. Not, you know, a bunch of people just milling around. But, I mean, literally a hundred people and nobody saw anything. In fact, one of the witnesses. I say air quotes. One of the dozens of, quote, witnesses that was interviewed that day. They told, that dude told investigators. He didn't see anything, but he felt like he needed a killing. I mean, and Ken, Ken needed a killing. <laughs> I mean, again, what, ki- what kind of, what kind of human being are you that that people say he needed a killing? I mean, of course you got, you know, Ted Bundy people like that, but I mean, really, what kind? I mean, to be walking around and and people he needed a killing, and and to say it that way, I mean, you can only imagine it's it's, you know, po dunk. No offense. It's Podunk, Missouri somewhere. <laughs> so you can only imagine how this guy sounded. Uh, you know, with that that Missouri, you know, that Missouri accent. So Trina filed a lawsuit in 1984, July of 1984, five million dollars against the town of Skidmore, Nottaway County, Sheriff Estes, Mayor Steve Peters, and of course Del Clement. The suit was settled. For a whopping total of $17,600. Nobody admitted guilt to anything. They simply stated that all the parties agreed it would cause financial strain on all involved if they continued to drag the case out. And, of course, Trina just didn't catch any breaks at all. I mean, this woman, she went on and got remarried and things. And she moved to Lebanon, Missouri. But, again, the, the poor woman couldn't catch a break. You know, she's a victim in this. Whether you realize, whether you agree with what, she, you know, she's a victim in this. But and she, I mean, like I said, she just couldn't catch a break. She died of cancer on her, on her fifty on her birthday. <sighs> That's sad. So anyway, there you have it. The case of the town bully. Ken McElroy getting what he had coming to him. Case of, yes, karma really is a bitch.